Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Tuesday in what has been, all things considered, based on what we've had over the last week, probably a pretty quiet 24 hours. And yes, by me just saying that, that means that some crazy shit is probably about to go down. Uh, We thank you again for joining us on the show. Uh, Remember, you can follow me at Kane Pittman, the podcast at Locked on Bucks, and subscribe and rate and do all those other things. Joining me today is a voice that everyone is very familiar with, whether you listen to this podcast regularly or you just listen to the Bucks Radio Network in general. It's the host, Justin Garcia. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not uh, been very busy here, but the crazy thing that's about to happen is that training camp is, what, a week away? Yeah, we finalized a roster yesterday or for now, I'll say that, for now. And by the way, uh, none of these trades or signings have actually come through from the Bucks as being official. So given what we learned over the last week, perhaps we should not be too premature with all this that's, that's going on right now. But you're right. We are a week away, as everyone is listening to this now, a week away from training camp and then under a month away from opening night. So it's really hard to believe. We are actually going to be watching the Bucks play basketball in just a couple of weeks here with some preseason slash scrimmage slash whatever you want to call them. I, I thought on today's show, yesterday, if anyone missed it, you should go back and listen. Frank Madden and myself went through all the salary cap implications of what the Bucks have done in the last few days. So if you have any questions about roster size, salary cap numbers, and basically all the bad stuff that happened in regards to some of the, the messy situations the Bucks got themselves in, please go back and listen to yesterday's podcast but today we're going to be a little bit more positive we're going to talk about some of the key additions that the bucks have made but before we do that we should talk about some of the guys that the bucks have lost including kyle corver who doesn't look like he's going to be back uh, with the team spent one year with the bucks and uh, to be honest we don't know right now whether he's going to retire or continue on 38 years of age uh, kyle corver uh, Sterling Brown, who the Bucks didn't actually offer a qualifying uh, offer to to make him a restricted free agent, he has signed with the Houston Rockets, which is a little bit sad. I think if you're a Bucks fan, obviously we have a little bit of a healthy rivalry uh, with the Rockets and and wish Sterling well. Uh, but uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I would have liked to see him land somewhere else. But he'll uh, be with the Rockets and Frank Mason. We'll wait and see. What happens there with him as well? Originally, the Bucks did extend a qualifying offer, but rescinded that one as the roster filled out. And to be quite honest, uh, filled up the guard positions heavily. Uh, there wasn't really a spot for Frank Mason there. But uh, maybe we should start with Sterling Brown uh, because outside of signing with the Rockets, he's actually just hanging out with the Pope today. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I, I was uh, I was really sad to see him go. That uh, I think I probably. Uh, overvalued Sterling Brown more than most yeah. in that it, it's kind of similar to what we've talked about in the past with, you know, DJ Wilson, where you see flashes of it and we just cling to that and think, 
why doesn't this guy get more playing time? I mean, I was like that with Sterling Brown for basically his entire career in a Bucks uniform. And the Houston fit is interesting because I, I think you and I have talked about this before. Everything that he does and the way that he plays basically fits what the Rockets did to a T last year. But we've already seen them move away from that, it would seem, with, uh, you know, Houston goes from nobody over six foot seven and just loading up on big men now. Uh, but, you know, Sterling was always a guy that played bigger than he actually was. And you thought about the mold of guys, not to put him in the same category, but the mold of guys like P.J. Tucker and even Robert Covington. And that's kind of the same things that, that Sterling did at his best, where he was a guard that could play with forwards and rebound and hit corner threes. And, you know, I think we all kind of knew last year that the writing was on the wall it just wasn't going to work out here if for no other reason than there wasn't really the minutes for him. And I'm sure if you're Sterling Brown, there's probably a part of you too that just needs to get out of the city of Milwaukee after everything happened. Uh, so, you know, I, I certainly wish him well, but he, he's one of those guys that we all have him where we're basically the president of the fan club. And you think, why wasn't this guy ever what I envisioned? That was Sterling Brown for me. Look, coming into the 2020 season, uh, we spoke about it on the podcast and I, I still remember doing the uh, over and unders to start the season. And, and one of the guys we really zeroed in on was Wesley Matthews. And at the time, Frank and myself didn't really know what to expect from Wesley Matthews. Now, clearly, as the season went on, he absolutely far exceeded what we thought he was going to contribute to the team. He obviously stayed in the starting lineup, which we thought might have been up for grabs at the start of the year which made things difficult, difficult for Sterling Brown because out of Sterling Brown and Dante DiVincenzo, if, if everyone and the listeners can remember back to early in the season, obviously the Bucks got off to a 2-2 two and two start. Was, things were looking a little bit shaky there, a little bit scratchy. Obviously, a, tuple, a couple of tough losses. They go to Orlando. They're losing early in the game. And Sterling Brown and Dante DiVincenzo came in almost from Bud saying, we just need to try something. It's just not working right now. The Bucks completely snapped out of the funk that they were in, uh, blew the magic away, and then really, from then, never looked back. And Sterling Brown and Dante were both significant contributors in that game. Ultimately, DiVincenzo was the one that took those minutes that were available, which Sterling could have easily taken. And from that point on, uh, he, he really just he wasn't able to get consistent minutes. And I felt a little bit bad for him in a lot of ways that he, when he was asked to play, it was thrown in sporadically. It was difficult for him to ever catch any rhythm. And, and I, I'm not sure whether he handled that so well, to be totally honest. We know uh, Mike Budenholzer pulled him on a number of occasions for defensive mishaps. But again, it's difficult to be cast into that role. As far as what he'll do in Houston, I, I think you're right. I mean, playing alongside James Harden, I, I see that this is a position, providing Harden stays there, I, I think this is a position where... Sterling Brown can get some good minutes and he can thrive. We know he's been a good three-point shooter, particularly from the corners in the past. And, and James Harden's going to find you and you're going to be asked to shoot the three. So uh, maybe for Sterling Brown, it's a place where he can jumpstart uh, his NBA career there. But as far as Corver and Brown go, I mean, you talk about two key guys uh, going back to the Bucks not taking the floor against Orlando. Certainly Sterling Brown with, yeah. with his history. And, and the Milwaukee Police Department, and then Kyle Corver as, as a real leader and a guy that's been very outspoken about the social injustice issues and caring for his teammates and caring for people. Um, it's two significant voices that the Bucks are, have lost from the locker room. There's no doubt about that, even if uh, I didn't particularly see roles for them moving forward anyway. And from purely from a Barcelona perspective, I'm pretty fine with this, unless, of course, 
Carl Korv wanted to return as a shooting coach, uh, please feel free. We would love to have you, Carl. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing with Sterling is uh, the voice in the locker room. And, you know, the funny thing, too, is we talked um, a lot of times about what this team really needed in the playoffs. And, you know, you need those tough guys, the, the mentally tough guys, and basically the enforcers, too, that those were some things that it looked like this team was missing, yeah. shooting, obviously, the biggest one. Uh, but Sterling fit that mold where Sterling was always one of those tough, gritty, to I hate to use the term, but he was one of those types of guys. And, you know, I keep going back to in the Eastern Conference Finals last year against the Raptors, there was a stretch in, I think it was game two, where the Raptors were going on a run and uh, it was, it prompted a bud timeout and the Raptors had just rattled off six or eight straight points to really cut into the Bucks lead and, and make you nervous. And just as the Bucks called timeout, Kyle Lowry during the timeout gets the basketball and it's going to put up a shot like we see players do all the time. And, you know, you'll see during timeouts, if guys shoot the ball, a big man jumps up and, and slaps it out of the rim or make sure the shot doesn't go in. Sterling Brown tracked Kyle Lowry and was basically his mirror, following him around, walking in front of him during the timeout while the Bucks are huddling, which might speak to some of those issues you talked about with Bud calling him out for defensive assignments. But Sterling Brown basically just shadowed him and said, you know what, you're not shooting this. And we're not even giving you that much of an edge, even though these points don't count. And to me, that basically it summed up like what Sterling Brown was, where you see these things. He's a tough guy. Occasionally, he'll do these things where you think, why don't we play him more? And then when you do see him more, and again, it goes back to things with DJ too, the consistency just isn't there. So maybe it's just a change of scenery that he needs. But as we said, best of luck to him. Absolutely. And not to be too much of a downer, but I guess at this point, Sterling Brown goes into the growing collection of recent draft picks that <laughs> have shown some promise and haven't worked out for the Bucks. unfortunately. Uh, that's the way things have gone here. Uh, before we move on, Justin, I do want to talk about Built Go for a little bit. Have you, I got to ask you, have you tried Built Go? I have not tried Built Go. I have uh, tried the Built Bars, though. Well, that's good. Well, at least you're, uh, you're, you're putting in the work there. I respect that. But Built Go is the new product uh, from Built. It's, uh, it's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling you would get with the other usual products or similar products. Uh, plus it's natural though. That's the good thing. It's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with just a third of the caffeine and better results. They have three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And of course, uh, we got a pretty good deal for you guys. Go to builtgo, uh, that's B-U-I-L-T-G-O.com. And use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Before we move on, i got to let you guys know, coming up tomorrow on Locked on Bucks, we're talking all things Tory Craig. Now, this guy's got a pretty remarkable story. I, I did tweet this out, but... He was over in Australia. He was over my way a couple of years ago playing in the NBL. He, he fought his way into the league via Summer League and then jumping on with the Nuggets to really become a pretty important part of their rotation and take some important defensive assignments 
uh, over over the years there. So we've got TJ McBride, who's a beat reporter for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, he's got a great relationship with Tory Craig. So tomorrow, uh, make sure you check out that conversation. I really want to pick his mind about uh, what Craig's going to be able to do with the Bucks, what lineups they'll be able to maximize him. Can he play next to Giannis in small ball lineups? Uh, plenty of questions uh, coming up on the show tomorrow, so make sure you check that out. But Justin, it's time to talk about the guard rotation that the Bucks have. Uh, obviously... Well, that's all they have. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's a good point you make. Obviously, the big fish coming in is Drew Holiday. And, you know, I, I spoke about it yesterday, but I, I feel like some of the excitement around the Bucks has been tempered a little bit because of some of the other things that have happened. But if I go back to uh, the middle of last week when that trade uh, first came out, very, very excited and I asked the question on Twitter today, do you think that the Bucks have improved their roster? And I don't mean from a regular season point of view, because let's be honest, you've got Giannis, you're going to be a very good regular team, regular season team. We've seen that. I'm not concerned about the regular season at all. This team pending injuries, pending health, COVID, all the rest, to me, is going to be a top two seed. I just don't see any other results. But come playoff time, there are significant question marks because of the way this team has gone out. So the question I asked is, do you think this team is better uh, suited for playoff basketball? My answer is yes, simply because they've added Drew Holiday. But as far as the guards go, complete overhaul here. DJ Augustine comes in. Bryn Forbes comes in as well. Sam Merrill, we don't know what kind of role he could potentially have as an elite shooter. And of course, you maintain Dante DiVincenzo and Pat Connaughton. And so uh, purely from the guard rotation, what you think they can look like in the postseason, where do you think the Bucks stand right now? Well, I agree that I think they're better in the postseason, and that's almost entirely because of Drew Holiday. I mean, uh, it's funny that all these moves that they they made or were linked to, the majority of them are um, these moves that the Bucks seem to have cornered the market on it, where you start to hover around a name and you're linked to this player, and then a year or so later, it finally comes to fruition. We saw it with Delhi, we saw it with Nirza Toledovic, we thought we saw it with Bogdan Bogdanovic. And uh, DJ Augustine's a guy that, you know, Frank, I've heard talk about, and all of us have mentioned him for years of, you know, ideally he'd be a great backup point guard for us. And now you finally get him. You get him in all likelihood on the downswing of his career as he's, what, 33, I think. Um, you know, I think you are going to have some issues with what lineups you play him in in the postseason, and he's certainly not a closer for you. But it does improve your shooting in the regular season. The Drew Holiday edition is huge, you know, regular season and postseason. And, you know, to add Bryn Forbes, you at least get that shooting that, again, as we've said, this team really needs to improve. And it allows them to do a lot of different things here, primarily Drew Holiday, where, you know, you could start Dante, you could, and I think they will, start Bryn Forbes. Uh, You could start DJ Augustine, I suppose, and, and play Drew Holiday at the two. Uh, but, you know, Brent Forbes, we know what he's going to do. He's going to be a catch-and-shoot guy, and we've seen the three-point shooting go up throughout his career. But he's undersized for a two, and, you know, if you ask any Spurs fan, they loved everybody that was behind Brent Forbes on the bench. And so I don't think San Antonio is heartbroken to see him go. But in terms of the Bucks, you need shooting. He can fill that void. And the defensive concerns that you have, I mean, I think you can mask it when you have the defenders that you're going to have on the floor, especially if he's starting. And with Drew Holiday, too, you could essentially, depending on the matchup, 
start Bryn Forbes at the two and have him defend the point guard and Drew Holiday just slides down and defends whoever's on the wing. Yeah, it's interesting you have that perspective. I mean, my suspicion right now as it stands is that Dante would probably start. Now, uh, we've seen in the past that Bud has been very happy to put Dante in there. Usually it was when uh, Chris Middleton was out or and Eric Bledsoe was out and Dante was sort of that uh, replacement starter because we know that Bud really took a liking to ensuring that George Hill was going to be your backup point guard at all time, which makes me think that DJ Augustine is certainly going to fill that role as the backup point guard. Um, I, I think that they'll go with Dante for the defense. We know generally just on, on what we've seen from Bud over his two years in Milwaukee that he likes to have five guys that can defend in the starting lineup. Uh, we know that then he will mix and match some guys that potentially don't have the skill sets that the starters do in, in lineups and probably hide them, as you sort of pointed to. So my feeling is that Bryn Forbes and... and I will say this, uh, you pointed to, and uh, there's been a lot of this sentiment, even on some of my tweets, uh, Spurs fans have found my tweets and have saying, we're happy to see him go, get rid of him, have fun, he's a limited player. And it's like I, I'm seeing the comments and I'm saying, well, of course he's a limited player. He, he, we just got him on a minimum deal. I mean, what do we think we're getting? But we're getting the guy that could shoot over 40% from three, really good in catch and shoot scenarios, and can be a valuable scorer off the bench. Certainly, I mean, you look at who shot over 40% from three off the bench for the Bucs, George Hill, that didn't stand up in the postseason, and Kyle Korver was a very limited player as well. So adding a guy like Grin Forbes, I think, is very valuable for the bench, and especially when you draft a kid like, I shouldn't say a kid, he's 24, like Sam Merrill, then I think that it does give some options with Bryn Forbes or Merrill that you can sort of exchange those guys and say, okay, well, is anyone hot today? Let's mix and match them with the starters, find them for a couple of quick threes and see what they can do. So I'm really curious to see how the Bucks use Bryn Forbes in particular. But I, I do think that Dante, for mine, is probably going to start. And then I think overall, if I was to pick a closing lineup, um, I think that you're closing with at the guard positions, Drew and DJ Augustine. And I think it then creates some really interesting options. You could potentially slide Giannis to the five, and maybe it's a Torrey Craig that comes in and plays the four with Chris Middleton. Maybe Dante slides up a little bit. We know Drew Holiday can defend ones, twos, and threes. So maybe defensively, you would have Augustine, DiVincenzo, Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. I mean, you have a lot of different options here if you didn't want to go with Brooke Lopez. So uh, I touched on it briefly on yesterday's show. But I think the versatility of this team and the versatility of the lineups is perhaps what I'm more excited about here, particularly when it comes to closing. Yeah, it seems like they have more options, at least this year. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of the same sentiment uh, with DJ Augustine, where not as much as, as we just talked about with Spurs fans. But if you listen to some Magic fans, I think everybody liked DJ Augustine. It was just, well, there were some real defensive limitations and liabilities there. And there were times where you could definitely scheme against that. And he became a liability, especially in the clutch. And, you know, the same things we mentioned with Bryn Forbes and what if you started him and, and, and Drew Holiday, that's what would allow you to play DJ Augustine in crunch time is you do have Drew Holiday that can basically cover up everything. Um, you know, I think with Dante, the only reason why – I lean towards, I wonder if they're going to start Brent Forbes is I think with Dante, the big thing is the shooting just has to be more than what 33%. I think it was from three that if that can start to tick upward, it makes more sense to me. I just wonder 
you know, for as much of an upgrade as we've talked about Drew Holiday being over Eric Bledsoe, he is a better shooter, but it's not like Drew Holiday is a great shooter. I just wonder what that backcourt looks like if Dante is still hovering around the same marks. And Drew Holiday's an okay shooter, but it's not like you really addressed uh, upgrading your shooting with him. It's more everything else that he brings to the table. Uh, that's why I, I lean towards, I wonder if they would do Brent Forbes just because you have that guaranteed shooting. East meets West in Locked On NBA Tuesdays. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors. And David Rammel, host of Locked On Heat, tackled the biggest NBA stories of the day coast to coast. Subscribe to Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Justin, just before we went to the break there, you, you mentioned about uh, the shooting. And in particular, I, I think the half-court offense going down the stretch here is is going to be fascinating to see uh, what the Bucks do. Uh, Bucks Filmer tweeted out a, a bunch of interesting numbers in regards to catch and shoot uh, shooting percentages during the day. And I, I found those numbers kind of fascinating. I also just simply am not reading really anything into regular season shooting numbers uh, with guys because we've seen over the last two years, it, the trend is very clear. In the first round, the Bucks percentage is around 35 36%. And then it trends downwards as the quality of opposition gets better and the quality of the defense gets better to the point where against Miami and Toronto over the last two years, the buck shooting has completely cratered. And I think a big part of that has been because the opposition has been able to focus in on Giannis and Chris Middleton in particular and leave everyone else to feel the pressure of the season on the line and knock down open shots. And they haven't been able to do that. So I think... That's why I like DJ Augustine and I like Drew Holiday. As you mentioned, Drew Holiday potentially not a knockdown shooter. I mean, he hasn't been over the course of his career, but during the playoffs, certainly he is averaging over 38% from three, which is a nice sign. I do think the thing that you're going to get with Drew Holiday with the ball in hand, his decision-making, his ability to run a bit of pick and roll and also shoot the open shot, I think what you'll get from the opposition is respect in the pick and roll. And we spoke so much about Milwaukee, why don't you run more Chris Milton, Giannis pick and roll? And it, it, it was still a money play for the Bucks, but the problem was they were your only two options. So you can run pick and roll, run pick and roll, but the, the issue with that is that there was no one else that the opposition respected to shoot the open shot. So if they could pack the paint and shut down Giannis rolling to the basket, then your option becomes Chris Milton knocking down an outside shot. And it's just hard to go back to the well with that time and time and time again. We saw the volume and the fatigue really catch up with Chris as it went on. So DJ Augustine, a 53.8% frequency with pick and roll action when he has the ball in his hands last year. So this is a guy that run, would run a steady diet of pick and roll with the Magic, generates 0.94 points per possession on those, which considering the volume is pretty damn good because that's around double the percentage of what Bledsoe and Chris Middleton would run with very similar points per possession. It's not elite, but when you consider the volume of, of that play that Augustine is running, you get the, the sense that he's certainly uh, able to, to run a nice pick and roll. He can shoot the, the shot from the outside. He can work in tandem with Giannis. And, and perhaps more importantly than most, he doesn't really make bad decisions. So I think that this is where the Bucks are going to benefit in playoff basketball is with Drew and Augustine, you now have two, two more guys that can, you can confidently give the ball and they will create something. They can, they can make smart decisions. They won't turn the ball over. And then you still have your two marquee players in Giannis and Chris that can do the same. I, I just think that there's more, it's more dangerous 
for the opposition with those two added into the the uh, closing lineup rather than an Eric Bledsoe who we know has crumbled in the postseason and then you're throwing in a, a Pat Connaughton or a Wesley Matthews who are a limited player. So I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, and, you know, the big thing with uh, DJ Augustine too is it, it just feels like it's something that this team hasn't had for a while, his skill set in, in what he brings where, uh, I mean, we talked about the versatility and the number of options you're going to have now. I mean, you and I saw it firsthand. Think back to last year when – um, when Eric Bledsoe went to the bench or if, if George Hill wasn't out there, were, their options were incredibly limited. I mean, think back to early in the year when they had injuries and even the preseason when you saw Bud going with Dante and even Pat Connaughton to basically more or less see, okay, can either of these two guys, can I rely on them to handle the ball? And we saw, no, this, that these aren't combo guards. These are two guards where it, it basically handcuffed you to – a like-for-like substitution that you knew if this guy was out, this guy had to be on the floor. And this just opens up so many different things for them where, as you said, I mean, you can close with him. You can have him come off the bench. You can have him play with Drew Holiday. You can have him play with Dante. You can have him run the second unit. I mean, there's just so many different looks now. And, you know, to a lesser extent, I mean, even Brent Forbes, I know it's been probably two years since he did it, but Brent Forbes, his first, a year or two in the uh, NBA with the Spurs played one through three. So these are all guys that have played multiple positions. And when we talk about, you know, needing to basically change things and just have this versatility, it it was painfully evident. It was lacking last year and, and somewhat the year before as well. And I mean, if nothing else, I think what stands out to you most is you have to feel more confident with, with these guys in the postseason, and they give you the options to do different things. Because everybody else that we mentioned, too, you know, we talk about good shooters and fake good shooters. It does kind of feel like last year, I think outlier is a strong word, but was kind of an outlier season for George Hill in the sense that, do you expect George Hill to hover around 46% three-point shooter? No, he's a very good shooter. But again, George Hill is one of those guys that he's not, he's not necessarily a shot creator. And he's, if you leave him open, then he can do that. Whereas the guys that we're talking about the Bucks making some moves on, for the most part this offseason, are shooters and knockdown shooters. So George Hill is a good player, but a lot of what you're going to rely on DJ Augustine to do is what George Hill did last year. And I think in terms of shooting, as crazy as it is to sound, despite George Hill shooting 46% from three last year, I think you're getting more with DJ Augustine than you would have had with George Hill. Yeah, you lose, obviously, George Hill's defensive capabilities with Augustine. I mean, Hill is clearly a few levels up defensively, but uh, I would agree. I mean, George Hill now, 34 years old or, or going to be. So, you know, I, I don't know where the cliff is for him. Clearly, he played some fantastic basketball with the Bucks and and just became more than expected, such a valuable member of the team. But I, I think replacing him with Augustine is fine. I think it's a fine move. It's also worth keeping in mind that Augustine is 33 and had a down year shooting the ball last year. So in no way, shape or form are these moves absolutely home runs. I think Drew Holiday is. I think that's a lock that you're going to improve by him uh, you know, on his own. And I think the rest of the role players, you hope that they can create a, a little bit more in the half-court offense in the postseason. So, I mean, certainly... Again, I, I can understand why there are Bucks fans out there that are a little bit hesitation, uh, hesitant about this uh, rotation. And uh, I myself hold some of those concerns, but I can certainly easily look at it 
and see why these players with these particular skill sets have been targeted by the Bucks. And I kind of like what they're at least trying to do, given the fact that they are kind of limited with the salary cap. And once you add a player like Drew Holiday, you just need to fill out the rest. Because remember, this this Bucks team, regardless of the you know the the rough patches they've had in the postseason, both that Miami series and the Toronto series were actually remarkably close. And you just needed to make some shots and free things up a little bit offensively and you potentially could have won those series so that's a big step that you have to take have they done enough I have no idea we are going to find out uh, as the season rolls on but I I do think that there is at least some reason for optimism with this roster and just as we wrap it up just a really quick note here the Bucks did announce uh, no fans to start the season at Fireset Forum Uh, really no surprises there no we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be shocked by that and it, it was kind of what I expected, I think all of us expected where, you know, they still leave the possibility open for potentially we can have fans at some point this season. But as of, as of right now, we're, we're planning on no fans this season. If that changes, then great. But you know, right now that's not going to happen. So this is basically on you guys in the community to let's wrap our arms around this and not let this continue to really spread. And then we can revisit it. All right, we will leave it there. Uh, as I mentioned, tomorrow, uh, it's going to be a really cool episode to get some background on Tori Craig, uh, speak about his potential uh, role with the Bucks as well, because I think this is a fascinating point because while we've spoke a little bit about a log jam with the guards, the forwards position, are very thin. It's interesting to see how the Bucks are going to navigate uh, this situation. But please do hit us up at Lockdown Bucks on Twitter. Who have you got starting? at the guard position next to Drew Holiday, and who would be your closing lineup? And in general, are you feeling like the Bucks have improved what they're going to be able to put on the floor in closing situations in the playoffs? Uh, but uh, Justin, again, plenty to talk about. All quiet on the Giannis front. He's still over in Greece. He's tweeting out videos of his workout videos with Josh Oppenheimer over there, Bucks assistant coach. So the Bucks are staying in touch with him. We'll wait and see what happens. Josh Oppenheimer, Vin Baker was over there as well, yeah. I believe. So, uh, yeah, if only we could get DocuSign over to Greece so we can get this uh, <laughs> at least some type of extension worked out and finalized. Uh, we, again, we spoke about Giannis a little bit yesterday. So, uh, again, I, I can't recommend enough to go back and listen to that show, but we will be back tomorrow for Justin and myself. Stay safe out there. We'll catch you guys then. <laughs>